We go and grab a quick bite. We watch a movie, then fight. We're the fast food film friends. You're listening to Summer Streamables, the third and final installment in our series when we talk about all the movies I've been watching on streaming mm-hmm. all summer long. Mm-hmm. We talked about so many good ones so far, some not so great. Yeah. And we got a few to finish up on that I'm very excited to talk to you about. There's no spoilers in these episodes. If you haven't heard the last two, go back and listen. They've been fun. We are starting off today with The King of Staten Island, Mm-mm-mm. which is Pete Davidson's semi-autobiographical story about growing up in Staten Island and dealing with the death of his father. Yeah. It's directed by Judd Apatow, mm-hmm. who's been involved with most of the successful comedies of the last 20 years. Correct. <laughs> he directed Knocked Up, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Trainwreck. He produced Anchorman, Superbad, Bridesmaids, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Step Brothers, Pineapple Express, what a The resume. Big Sick. Oof. He is in part responsible for... Just an entire era of comedies. Almost a whole genre of that kind of comedy. Yeah. That real-life, sarcastic comedy. Pretty much all his movies are, I would call them relationship comedies. I think that romantic comedy is a little too narrow. Like They're not always necessarily about one romantic relationship. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they're about a friendship. But in my opinion, many of his movies start out really funny. And they reach a point about two-thirds of the way through where you can feel the story kind of transition from yeah. comedy to drama mm-hmm. and, and it shifts you know to more serious gear and for me that's when i almost always mentally check out of his movies yeah the last act is always too long it's dry and and i know how it's going to end so when i saw that the king of staten island clocked in at two hours and 18 minutes i thought why on earth would a movie about pete davidson need to be as long as a star wars film yeah and then two hours and 18 minutes went by and I loved every bit of this movie. Wow. Wow. I couldn't believe how much I love The King of Staten Island. Wow. Really? I think, honestly, it might be my favorite Judd Apatow movie. Whoa! Not funniest, but favorite. That is a that is a steep level of praise. I don't know what it is that struck me so deeply about this movie, but... I'm very intrigued to get to the bottom of that as well. I think, you know, while you were describing your typical Judd Apatow movies before you started gushing over this one, uh, his movie Funny People came to mind. It's kind of Adam Sandler's swan song Mm -hmm. movie as a comedian. Gets very dramatic and sad at the end. Two and a half hours. Too long. Um, Liked it. Didn't love it. Felt the same about this one. Uh, I think big Michelangelo moment here if you've been listening to the last two episodes. I think there's a ton that could have been chipped away in this movie. I think it was too long. I think at times it dragged. Um, I wrote in all caps, like, I need to make a case for movies that are well under two hours long because everything's so long now. It's the Irishman's fault for showing Netflix how long we'll sit on our couch and watch movies at home. And, like, Greyhound got me so excited. I was like, it's another hour and a half long great movie. And I just watched Green Room the other night for, like, the nth time. Another hour and a half great movie. And I feel like this one, because the writing in this movie is so good. It's so sharp. There are so many hilarious lines. I think Bill Burr does a phenomenal job. Um, Marissa Tomei is great. Pete Davidson, I think, is good. He's pretty much plays himself. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't think, you know, range-wise, he's doing much there. There are a lot of parts of this movie that I liked. Like, I have so many one-liners written down from this movie that are just... Top quality comedy. Like, really, really funny. Like, did you just fuck me for shelter is one of my favorite (laughs) things I think I've ever heard in a movie. Um, And when, like, I don't know. There's a lot of good lines. 
And it does get to that dramatic, you know, kind of heavy, heavy parts every now and then. It's got to, you know, ties things up mostly at the end in a, in, a, in a nice, cute way. But at the end of it, I thought nothing of this movie. I was almost upset that I bought it and didn't just rent it. It's just, I don't know. It's I loved the way you described your appetite movies at the beginning because I think it fits the bill for that to a T. Uh, I'm just so surprised that you don't feel that way. It's funny that you mentioned The Irishman because I don't know what it is, but I, multiple times while watching this, was reminded of The Irishman. It felt like similar pacing. I don't yeah. know what it is. Because it, yeah. it really, this feels like a memoir. Mm. Like more than mm-hmm. just like, it feels less that he set out to make a movie and more that he wrote his life story and then yeah. this is an adaptation of that. Yeah. And I, I was so surprised that I did not feel the way you feel about things being cut out. I agree this feels like a director's cut. Yeah. And I actually would be so curious to know, like, I think this came out, I want to say, like, June. And I'm sure they yeah. had a couple months notice. They knew that it was going to be on video on demand. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was cut in a certain way because of that. Because they knew that they don't have to worry about yeah. theaters. Yeah. And I don't know how that would kind of make a filmmaker treat a movie differently. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just, maybe that's just not true at all. But there were many scenes, again, like The Irishman, where I'm like, I feel like this is a scene that's going on much longer than you think it would. Mm-hmm. And it's not really about something that you think is scene worthy. Yeah. But that tells you a lot about this guy. Yeah. And I think something that's interesting about this movie, you mentioned so many one-liners. Oh this God. movie is hilarious. Yeah. Most of them are not from him. Agreed. He is not what I expected. He, he wrote this. Yeah. At least with Judd Apatow. Yep. He gets to decide what his character, what his story is. Yeah. And I think it's so surprising the way he's willing to be the butt of the joke in his own story. There's, I think there's way more jokes, way more back and forths where it's not he's the funny one. He's the one who doesn't get the joke. Yes, I, I fully agree with that. And one thing I, I think that ties into that, that this movie does really well is I love its approach to mental illness. It's super real the way he approaches it and. You know, he says, I think there's a line like, I'm not okay up there to his girlfriend. Like, you don't want to date me. I'm not okay up there. But, you know, there's really honest conversations of, you know, having sex on antidepressants. Like, because he lasts forever with his girlfriend. He's like, if I didn't take him, I'd come in eight seconds. And you wouldn't want, and then you would need antidepressants. You would need them. I nailed that delivery. I want to let you finish, but I want to get back to that. Yes. But I think, you know, I've... I think it's because, you know, he is depressed in this movie. He's on antidepressants. I've been on antidepressants. And and a lot of the times you're not laughing at anything. You know, you're pretty dull. You're pretty even keeled. You're the one drifting kind of in a haze through the day. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie is basically him in that stage for most of it until he kind of gets to a better place, starts doing more in his life and, and kind of, you know, uh, finds a purpose essentially, I guess. But for the most part, he's smoking pot on antidepressants, that combination is going to make you that dull person who doesn't get the jokes. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to be kind of burnt out all the time, in all honesty. And that's one aspect of this I liked because he's not playing, you know, a clown or an Adam Sandler-like character in a Judd Apatow movie. It's a very pretty raw portrayal. And I'm sure that his portion of the writing is a big reason why uh, that, you know, he knows what it's like to be like that. So I mentioned like how I didn't feel like this movie had that harsh tone shift from comedy to drama because I think it has the perfect balance of those two the entire way because mm-hmm. that scene that you're talking about where they have sex, he's on antidepressants, he explains 
why his performance isn't great, but then he jokes about it, and it's it's like a hilarious line. Yeah. After that. Yeah. And like around that same time, there's a scene where he's talking about the death of his father. Yep. And it's a heavy scene, but there's lines in that scene, just back and forth, dark and deep lines. There's yeah. hilarious lines. Yeah. And it it strikes that tone that like. I feel like Judd Apatow movies typically are so much more, let's start way up here, let's start light, and let's get to that point eventually. But Mm -hmm. I think that transition is very difficult. And this film, maybe it is just Pete Davidson's writing, I don't know what it is, but it it balances those two things, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, a tough tightrope to walk, but it really does that from start to finish, I thought. Yeah, it's definitely more sprinkled throughout as opposed to two different parts Mm -hmm. of, of the movie. I think it's absolutely Pete Davidson coming in and saying, you know, life was never just hilarious and fun for me. So why would we have a part of this movie that's only hilarious and fun and I'm having a ball? Like, I would imagine that's, that's you know, a huge part of how it came to be that way. But uh, obviously we won't know that. But it's I think it's, it is different than his other movies in that respect. Absolutely. And again, I don't, I don't not like this movie. It's a good movie. I just think it, a lot could be trimmed off it. I, uh, <sighs> I don't know. Now I feel like I need to rewatch this after I rewatch Eurovision. You're going to have a long night. Kevin. Oh, man. And then host after that. Well, that one's at least short. So <laughs> total only like four hours of movies. But I, I, I think it's a very, it portrays everything in a pretty real way. I think uh, I love his friends in this movie. I love his girlfriend in this movie. She's great. Moises. Uh, what's his name? Moises, Moises Arias. Arias. Who, one of my favorite characters of any movie of all time is his character in the movie Kings of Summer. And if you have not seen Kings of Summer, not seen it. it is one of my top 10 movies of all time, probably. You've got Ron Swanson. It is so well-written, 20 times better written than this movie. <laughs> and his character in that movie made me absolutely fall in love with him as an actor. Every time I see him, I get so happy. Uh, and he's great in this as well. Are you aware of how he got his start in Hollywood? Um, no, but I would love to find out. He was the annoying little neighbor on a show oh hannah montana oh yeah i think i've i think i've seen or heard about i think i've seen a picture of him next to hannah montana so all his friends they make very bad decisions Mm -hmm. they are clearly bad influences on him yeah but i feel like it would have been so easy to make one of these characters or all of them just comic relief just like not really to be taken seriously just there for jokes. Judd Apatow style. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't think there is any one character in this film that doesn't serve a dramatic purpose. Like, mm-hmm. they they all... I Like, Moises Arias, his general character arc, I won't go into detail, but, like, they think he's being catfished. Carla. And the, it's, like, it's a it's a funny oh, it's, premise. And, yeah. like, his friends are laughing about it. And it's, it's funny. There's yeah. also... There's, like, some good digs at him. Oh, yeah. But, like, what happens from there... I strangely found myself rooting for this guy. Oh, yeah. And I felt that way about, honestly, every single character. Like, Bill Burr Mm -hmm. is... I don't really want to say what his role is, because I feel like it actually is later on that you find that out. I didn't know kind of what he would... The role that he would have in this film. Sure, I knew he was in it. Yeah. I think he's really, really good. And he, again, his character could have been kind of... Put in the corner as, like, the asshole. Yep. And could have been pretty one-dimensional. Yep. But even by the end, I'm like, I'm so sympathetic to him. Yeah. And there's even his family. It's sprawling. It's all these characters who, like, could have been such simple, generic characters that we've seen in so many comedies. Mm-hmm. But this is really more of a drama than a comedy. They're really yep. much more real people. Yeah. And I, I think that one thing that makes everyone so likable and makes you want to root for people in this is that it's... Everyone you meet, you know... They have their rough days. Almost everyone in this movie has a rough day or a rough patch, but 
they're all very supportive of each other. And mm-hmm. I think when you watch this movie, you think of the best friends you have, you know, the family members you can count on, things like that. And it makes you, you, you know, that feeling of, you know, when you're down and you have a good friend who, who says, or kind of builds you back up or, you know, a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever it is. And I think you kind of get that vibe from this group and from almost everyone in this movie. Like, yes, yeah, somebody can be an asshole and, and make fun of you sometimes or just be a prick in general. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're really down there, they're all coming and saying, hey, get up, let's go. But, you know, it's um, so it, it gives you a pretty good vibes throughout throughout the movie in that sense. And it does make you like people. Moises, especially because I think he's honestly the most lovable character in Hollywood. He's Please great. watch Homework Handoff, Kings of Summer. Go watch it. For the record. You're the one who currently has an assignment, and you've had it for what I think it? about six months. What now. is it? It's Freaks on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I knew you would have forgotten. That I'll one. watch that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up Moises's IMDb page, by the way, and his uh, the main picture is from Kings of Summer, so you know it's good. Um, but no, I think I I love the emotion again emotionality of this movie. I think it's it's just pretty raw and real and. You know, turbulent family drama and friend drama and relationship mismatch, miscommunications, I guess. I think it's all done in a pretty authentic way. Uh, I just think it could have keep chipping away at that statue. I would have been on the ground catching all those chips. <laughs> Put it back on! <laughs> Licking them and trying to stick them back on. I just, I was so impressed by the casting in this movie. It's so many comedic actors yeah. who pulled off such grounded roles that that required a lot of them like bill burr yeah he was in breaking bad yeah he played a pretty not major role he was a pretty quiet dude like yeah he was good but it wasn't like astounding i think he's really really good in this Mm -hmm. i think i really i mean i always love him but steve buscemi i think is a gem absolute gem absolute gem like the next alan alda i would say he's just keep him alive at all costs also Pete's sister is Maude Apatow. Yep. Judd's daughter. Yeah. She plays, like, in Euphoria, she also plays, like, the concerned sister. Yeah. The responsible sister. Yeah. I feel like she's, like, after two things, she's already, like, really... Typecast. Yeah, she's getting to that, that niche. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Tatro from American Vandal. Yeah. Yeah. He surprised me. When he came on, I was like, what do I know that guy from? And then the second he said a word, I was like, oh, my God, it's the guy who spray-painted books <laughs> from American Vandal. <laughs> He was good. He yeah. was really good in this. Yes, he was. And again, when you first meet him, you think, oh, he's he's the funny guy. Yeah. That's all he is. But And he's not in it that much. He probably has 10 lines maximum. Yeah. But he's still, there's a lot to him. Yeah. Like, he's a he's a fleshed out character. Yeah. I think, again, it's that, it's that camaraderie between, you know, the, the fire crew. It's, it's a camaraderie between those guys. You see them supporting each other. And it's just a... You're like, God, I love that. I wish everyone was like this with all of their friends and everyone they know. Because what a world it would be if we all supported each other. Um, It's a feel-good movie. But it pokes fun at the people who are making you feel good, too. Like, another great line when his girlfriend's talking about, like, Oh, my God, you look terrible. He's got, like, bags under his eyes, which, shockingly, I can relate to. She's like, you look like an anorexic panda. And it's like these... These lines that are like such harsh dicks to people, <laughs> but are so funny. And you know, like they're just doing this to each other all the time. Like I grew up with my friends. We are monsters to each other. We say the most terrible things, but we know like if somebody was feeling shitty or like got into trouble, we'd all be there in a second, you know, but when we're just amongst each other, we're going to be making fun of each other nonstop ruthlessly. Uh, and it's a good feeling to be able to do that, to be able to just say these things and be like, I know he knows I love him. Like, 
It's uh, and this movie just makes you feel good overall. Yeah, from the start, he and his friends they're such assholes to each other but it's like instantly heartwarming like you're not even like for a second doubting how deep their friendship is no you know it you know it. and this movie's the start of this movie so from the trailer i mean there's a pretty prevalent in the trailer i I would assume most people see the part where and you can cut this out if it's a spoiler but he closes his eyes while he's driving and that's like the first scene uh is he's driving down the road listening to the kid cuddy which (laughs) back in the day was was very much my thing (laughs) And, like, he closes his eyes, and it starts on a heavy note. Like, this guy's clearly so depressed that he's suicidal, you know? He's obviously not ready to do it full on, but, like, he's ready to almost try it. And I think that just gets you in a really emotional place from the start, and then it just builds on that and builds on that and builds on that. And it is it is a really good blend of comedy and drama and intense moments and really happy, upbeat moments. But... um Maybe I like this movie more than I thought. Maybe just you expressing your love for it so much is making me reconsider. But I do remember just at towards the end kind of being like, mm, come on, let's let's wrap it up here. Like, what else do we have to do? Well, there's a point where I won't say what happens, but like a new character enters mm. near the end. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. What's happening right now? And it's uh, very unexpected, but... I still liked that part. I still yeah, it all works. It all works. I love the kids in this movie too. I think the kids were great. Like the two little kids. Yeah, just, they they were wonderful. They were cute and hilarious. Worth a watch. Worth a rent. Let me be clear. I think worth a buy. That's what we should have a ranking system. Worth a rent. Worth a buy. Wait till it's free. D'Angelo Vickers. That's right at the top. So we've talked quite a bit about movie runtimes throughout this whole series of episodes, but we're about to talk about the longest movie of them all. Although I'm not quite sure if it counts as a movie, but it's streamable nonetheless. And that is Hamilton, Mm. a live stage recording of the Broadway musical, now available on Disney+. Plus. Yes. You, Kevin, saw the stage show last year here in Madison. This recording on Disney+, Plus is from 2015 on Broadway with the original cast. Mm I have not yet watched this. I want to, and I'm going to, but I think in the back of my mind... I'm just really regretting not having seen the show in person when I had the chance. Yeah. And there's like this tiny part of me holding out hope that I'll still be able to. And like, mm-hmm. I want that to be my first experience with Hamilton, yeah. but I just need to accept that it's not going to happen for years. It, yeah. If, if we weren't in a coronavirus quarantine type situation and there was a likelihood of live theater coming back in the next like two years, I would say, wait, be in no rush because it's going to be on Disney forever. Uh, with that not being an option, you should probably watch it. Well, that was my question for you, is that as someone who has experienced it both ways, did watching it on your TV re-invoke that magical feeling all over again, or did it pale in comparison to the real thing? I will say, okay, so when I went to... I'm a big musical fan. I like musical movies. I love musicals in real life. Uh, You're walking down the street. Walking down the street, singing in the rain. Um, Flash mobs. Yeah, why not? I'm a big fan overall. I just I love the production value. I love how they put together. Really like to to, to see them. So, but when I went to see Hamilton in, in theaters, I a it was in Madison, so it's you know probably not the A Squad in all honesty. But uh, and I thought it was good. I thought it was clearly overhyped. Like there's no way it's going to be as good as people say it is. It'll be fine. And I loved it. Almost dropped a hard f bomb there. I absolutely. Loved it. I've never seen hip hop used in such a cool way. I thought it was going to be cheesy. It was just so good. So I was very excited to watch this when it came out. Now, when I saw it live, I was kind of up high. You get to see the whole stage. You get to see kind of the stage movements, the choreography of everyone involved, the intricate sets, 
I will say the performances in the Disney version that you can watch at home are astounding. I mean, you have the original cast. You've got Leslie Odom Jr. You've got Lin-Manuel, who I don't think is actually the best, but um, all these other amazing, so talented at singing it, at their just their timing, their stage presence. It's amazing, but it's so cut together. You know, it feels like they've got 40 cameras and they're just cutting from face to face. You're not getting the whole shot of the stage a lot of the times. And that took away from it a bit for me. I think anybody who's seen it live is going to really enjoy this because you know how they're relating to each other on stage. You know, you know what you've seen. The stage has this intricate like spinning circle on it that is so amazing to watch these people like it's just the choreography is insane in person. And this is it's really hard to capture that when you're also trying to capture close-ups of emotion and, you know, the the words coming out of these people's mouths like you're trying to do too much. You can't capture it all. Unless you have like one fixed camera on the stage and then like a split screen of these close-ups. Mm-hmm. I would honestly rather have that. It is great. I mean, it's great. The performances are astounding. Story's the same, obviously. Um, it's a treasure to watch. I mean, you should watch it regardless. But I feel like it just doesn't compare to in-person. And I know that that's super bougie to say. I mean, I I went in Madison, so it wasn't like hundreds of thousands. of. It was never hundreds of thousands, but... <laughs> wasn't crazy expensive and like we had high seats uh, so it was pretty cheap but it was so astounding to watch in person like i've seen a lot of musicals in person the choreography the songs are just so good i you have you ever heard the soundtrack i mean i've heard plenty of the songs okay. just in in every passing. day yeah i mean yeah. i so i like before i went to see it live i refused to listen to any songs i'd never heard a song and i was like oh my god i like fell in love with a few songs, like willing to wait for it. I think it's just called wait for it. It's like my fucking jam. And it's like, there's so many songs that are just so catchy. So good. I'm a mess during this movie. I'm a mess during the play. I mean, it's such an emotional story. I cry just like listening to some songs because I know what's associated with them. Uh, it's absolutely worth two and a half hours. You get a little intermission, you know, take a break, go make some popcorn, watch host maybe during intermission. Squeeze it in. Um, it's it's great. I mean, it is the best you could do trying to capture a stage performance, but that's not as good as a live show. Yeah. In some, I guess. But man, they can sing. Holy shit, they can sing. Everyone. Except for, I don't think Lynn Manuel's that good, but everyone everyone can sing pretty well. He's good. He's just not great. Um, but watch it. I mean, it's you're missing out on a huge part of culture if you, if you're not. Like every every person knows about it. Not everyone's seen it but it's like why would you not want to witness something that so many people think is incredibly unique and amazing and i thought it was gonna be way overhyped and holy shit it's fucking amazing god my swearing's off the charts (sighs) sorry lars we are now on to our last summer streamable yes and i thought we would end things on a a positive feel-good note yeah so let's talk about the devil all the time Which is available on Netflix. Sure is. And stars Tom Holland, Rob Pattinson, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, so many more faces you'll recognize. Yep. I'll read the plot description from IMDb. Two and a half hours of relentless misery. Oh, sorry. That's the wrong one. Um, (laughs) Sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwoods town teeming with corruption and brutality. Mm -hmm. Kevin, this film offers a depraved depiction of humanity it's about the relationship between human suffering and religion mm-hmm. particularly the ways in which religion can be used to inflict suffering yep. and also 
to cope with the suffering. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to cut to the chase. Do you enjoy this movie? I let me take you on a ride. Uh, my ride. Let's hear this it. movie. Should um, I buckle in? I was amped for this movie. Buckle, buckle in. Shoulder straps too. Don't miss those. I was amped for this movie. I mean, you know, I'm a big Robbie P fan. We ne- both are. Never saw his early work, Twilight or anything like that. But uh, damn, he's been crushing it lately. Uh, I like Tom Holland. Uh, any Skarsgård, give him to me. Uh, love him. This is Pennywise, right? This is Pennywise, and I've never even seen the new It, and it's all I see when his face yeah, comes yeah. up. Like, literally all I can think of was you. And his performance is great in this yeah. movie. His, perf- I think one of the best in the movie. But all I can think of is It, and it weirds me out. Cast was amazing. I mean, it's based on a book that's supposed to be really good, so I was hyped up. Hyped up. Um, starts out, I'm loving it. It's These characters are all great. Plots um, like so enthralling. I'm wondering where it's going to go. I'm wondering where it's going to go. More new characters, great new characters, more great acting, more great plot points. And it just is culminating, culminating. I'm sitting there just like trying not to orgasm yet because I'm trying to get through it all. And then it ends. And I thought, what? What? I was like, what? I don't know if you caught what I was like, but I was so perplexed. I was like, what? And it, it's good throughout the whole thing. You're into it. You're wondering what's going to happen, how it's going to play out. There's all these characters with these loose ends that you're like, how are they going to tile this up? What's going to happen? What's the resolution here? And then it's just like ends. And I felt so like betrayed because all of these performances were so good. And it just, it doesn't, there's no point to it. There's no point to the movie at the end. I feel like there's no point that you met all these people. There's no point that this little town exists. It's just like, here's a snippet of some things that happened. You'll never know how things turned out in general. So first I want to say, this is our last movie of this episode and this little mini-series. We're going to do a short spoiler segment oh, for this one. Because okay. there's something we have to talk about that is spoilerific. Hmm. We'll get there in a minute. Okay. I, <laughs> I can handle a bleak, cynical movie. Yeah. Like, I don't have an issue with that in itself as long as... There, there's more to offer beyond that. Mm-hmm. I think about 10, 15 minutes in, I got what this movie was. And by the end, to me, it was just misery porn. Yeah. Like, it is... But that's real life. Like, that's what I imagine, especially back then. These small towns with these preachers, you know, the heaven... What's it called? Like, iron and brimstone preachers? Who are yeah, like fire just, and brimstone. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You're the religious one. Uh, <laughs> I sure am. <laughs> Uh, and like, I think like, yep, that's what it was like. And that's, you know what? We live in a fucking nightmare world. Like, yes, it is very heavy and dark and mainly misery the whole time. But I was like, seems about right for the fucking world we live in today. I don't know what there is to this movie beyond suffering. Yeah. I truly don't know what, (laughs) I don't get what like the pitch was for this movie. Like when I read the description for this, I was like, that's an interesting way of, setting this up like it takes place around this time it's about this guy who blah 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 mostly everyone's just like awful to each other and or helpless and you feel horrible for them here's what what i thought this movie gave me coen brother vibes yeah big it is it is the the nihilism of a Coen Brothers film, mm-hmm. but with none of the things that I like about Coen Brothers. <laughs> no films. charm. 
No, not even the slightest amount of humor. Like, Coen Brothers have some dark humor. Oh, yeah. They always have memorable characters, and they always have a message that actually stays with you, and you actually, the movie ends, and you understand, like, oh, there was a point to that. Yeah. Like, imagine if No Country for Old Men had none of the things that make it good. That would be the devil all the time, yep. in my opinion. Yeah. It, but- <sighs> I think this movie just beats you over the head with misfortune after misfortune, to the point where, honestly... By the end, it was comical to me, not intentionally on yeah. behalf of the movie. Okay, we got to get into spoilers. Yes. We before, do- before we do, I, I just want to say, like, yes, you're absolutely right with everything you've said, but it is a very well-made movie. It's a very well-acted movie. Sure. It's like, it's got all the right things there. It's just brutal and miserable, but it is so good, like, in terms of how it's made, its style, the acting... The character introductions, the the plot is yes, terrible things happening, but you're like, oh my god, what is gonna? You're so into it because these characters go through these things, and you're like, they need this redemption, they need something. But like the fact that I got so into this movie, and I was just like, wow, this is an amazing movie up until the second it ended. It's so strange to me. Like I've never encountered a movie that is just so good throughout, and then just stops and is that abrupt and makes almost everything you've watched pointless. I mean, it it definitely leads you to believe that there's going to be a point in the end. Yeah. You really feel like it's going somewhere. Yep. And then it goes nowhere. Correct. Like, it feels like like what comes to mind is you're saying, like, all the work that went into it is so great, even if it didn't amount to, like, anything in the end, It's you're saying you still enjoyed it. Yep. It's honestly, you know, like when kids make the paper mache on a balloon and then pop the balloon. Yeah. It's literally empty on the inside, but it looks so cool. That is this movie. It oh, is wow. literally empty. Yeah. Not even like it's a bad core. There's nothing there. <laughs> and I don't know how else to put it. I, yeah. I, I personally was like, no one could have convinced me not to watch this. I was so excited for it. I yeah. was like this. And as soon as it started, I was like, man, I'm so on board. Yep. But I, I just want to urge people. I'm like. Just know what you're getting into. That's if, if you love the the outer dressings of movies yeah. and you're cool with just a complete nothing burger. It seems like a, a, a master class on acting trauma. Like just auditioning people in these terrible situations. They're all nailing it. Like just exactly how to act in these miserable situations. Everyone nails it. And then there's no point. You know, there's no... There's just no meat at the end, and I wanted, like, I feel like they had to have gotten this cast by saying, like, we're going to write the ending later. Don't We're going to show you the ending later. It feels like the first episode of a show that I would not keep watching, mm-hmm. but that has to have more episodes. Yeah. Like, how is there not more episodes? I don't... <laughs> That's how... <laughs> there needs what? to be more. There needs... I was so shocked when it ended. And it's not a short movie. I mean, it's, no, it's no. over two hours, I would imagine. It's a long movie. Yeah. And so you think, like, they have so much time, but they just fill it with, with God, the performances are good. But, man, it is a really brutal world these folks are living in. And, like, from the start, it's brutal. Okay, so we're going into spoilers, mm-hmm. starting right now. Mm-hmm. If you've seen this, keep listening. If you haven't, don't watch this. I don't know. Watch it. I say watch it. So, okay, full spoilers. Very last scene, Tom Holland is hitchhiking mm. after almost being murdered by hitchhikers, of course. Yeah. A uh, Volkswagen van is coming down the road. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, by this point, the, the movie had gotten so relentlessly brutal that it, to me it was like 
almost like an SNL sketch of like what's the worst thing that could happen right now. This van's coming. I turn to Taylor. Charles com- Manson. Completely joking. I say, I bet it's Charles Manson in the van. And it it's him. Is it? Yes. It Okay. He's from Cincinnati. The dude was going to Cincinnati. Mm. The way I rewatched it just because of that last five minutes. Yeah. The way that the reveal happens where the guy talks and you hear Tom Holland say, I didn't think you'd stop for me. And then it shows him that reveal is intentional. Yeah. That's not the way that you would cut that if it was just a nobody. And also there's like the radio news segment. To, it's very yeah. clearly trying to tell you what specific time period this is. And it's the mid 60s, which is mm. before he moved to California. Sure. He drove one of those vans. I know he drove one. Of, I was making a joke when I said Charles Manson. I was at the time also. But that's huh. it's him. And that's, right. and that's the point in the end is like, More this misery. guy can't catch a break. Charles Manson. I, I'm going to have to rewatch this whole movie just to get to that part again because I don't think I can skip it. <laughs> I thought it was just, I was just like laughing at that point. I'm yeah. like, you're, you're joking me. That's really how this is going to end. I it, think it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like it's a good commentary on how like evil breeds more evil and, and brutality just makes other people more brutal. But it's just kind of a shit world in this in this in this movie. One aspect of the movie that I did really like. Have you ever seen the movie Big Fish? Yeah. Tim Burton. Yeah. The narration style I felt like was ripped right out of Big Fish. Uh, yeah, I see what you mean. And I love Big Fish. Like, what a movie. One of my favorites of all time. And I know I say that about almost every movie I mention, but God, that's a good movie. You know, cutting in between dialogue and conversations. And my favorite line from this movie uh, was the narrator right after Rob Pattinson starts eating those chicken livers before he embarrasses Tom Holland's mom. As he swirled the chicken juice around in his mouth, he felt a sermon coming on. I just love that. I just love that. And I was just like, right then I was like, this motherfucker's a goddamn skis. Like, the worst type of guy. I mean, he. I loved him as just a dirtbag creature. They're all such good characters. That's what I'm saying. Is like, they're all... They're just portrayed so well. The acting is so good, but man, they're such bad people. Oh, what an opportunity they had to to make something so good. And I don't know, makes me want to read the book, see if there's something at the end. <laughs> Probably not. I'm gonna say. Seen the book since there's no images. They had to put. So Charles Manson pulled up. Yep. I wonder if that is mentioned. Actually, now I'm very curious. I googled it. I googled them all the time. Charles Manson and found. Like a couple Reddit posts of people being like, "Is this him?" That's all I found. Okay, so, so like your conspiracy but, level theories right now. No, I told you my evidence. I'm completely convinced that I'm writing this. <laughs> it's Cincinnati. It's the van. It's the time period. The way it's cut to him. Mm. The fact that it just makes sense narratively that they would use that as some bullshit ending. Of course, it's not a rando. It's I Charles Manson. I think they're trying to just make you think that. I mean, that's one of the most popular models of vehicles at the time. You what, do you, what do you mean they're trying to people, make you think that? Are they, make, are they, they're pulling one over on me? Maybe. Maybe. Actually, the ending is even worse because it's just a yeah, dude. It's a, it's a Charles Manson wannabe who's even more brutal <laughs> than real Charles Manson. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to rewatch it and let you know what I think about that. But yeah. I'm excited for the sequel, The Devil, even longer. I hope. I hope there's something because there's so many things that need to get wrapped up. Just like, how do you end right there? And after what they did to that dog, I mean... I hate watching shit happen to dogs. Yeah. Give me a reason as to why I had to witness that. 
Speaking of how do you end right there, we can wrap up our summer streamable series. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we have sat and recorded this all in one shot. Mm-hmm. It really made this whole summer worth it. You know? yeah. I've been slowly yeah. watching these things and jotting down notes and thinking someday you and I are going to get together yeah. and chat about some I'm movies. glad I could erase 14 pages of notes, that's for sure. <laughs> Really, I love imagining that you carefully erase every yeah. note you take and, and cover it again. I'm not trying to kill trees, all right? I'm trying to reuse paper here. Yeah, it was fun. I think, you know, if you guys uh, enjoy this structure, let us know. We, we think, you know, depending on how long the terrible world we're living in continues, we might have to do more of this. Or, but we're curious to know your thoughts anyway. So, And we always like hearing from you, so shoot us an email regardless. Uh, but we'd like to know your thoughts on, you know, what do you think of this structure, style? It's been a fun experiment. And you can find all the rest of our normal episodes. And our other streamable summers. At, uh, where can you find them? Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Stitcher, Podbean. <laughs> we are we are very active on Podbean. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Anywhere podcasts are, we are. Send us an email, fastfoodfilmfriends.gmail.com. Yeah. Get yourself some merch at fastfoodfilmfriends.com. Yeah. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Twitter. FFFF Podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll be back in your ear holes soon yeah. with a regular episode. Mm. Possibly something spooky themed. I think we got to go spooky in, in spooky season. We got to go spooky. If there's any pumpkin-related treats that you want us to eat on the air, nope. that's my favorite thing about October is nope. making Kevin... Put pumpkin ingredients into his body. So gross. Until then, farewell. farewell.